You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with EJ Wilson and Mike Ingersoll. We are sponsored, as always, by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. Guys, for today, I figured we would go ahead and break it up, talk first about the unfortunate loss to Virginia Tech, then shift the focus over to this week's homecoming game against the Duke Blue Devils. But first off, about the Hokie game. Mike, how fair do you think it is all of the fan angst that we have seen over the play calling late in that game? Because I would imagine that given just the injury situation and how truly limited time coaches have in order to game plan for hyper-specific situations, would you say it's fair that it's overblown from what you've seen so far? Listen, those coaches get paid a lot of money to know what to do in those situations. Um, they get paid a whole lot more money than I do. So, uh, I mean, I would say no. And and that's and that was our sentiment as players, too. Um, you know, the coaches get paid enough money. Um, coordinators are getting paid. I mean, I, I don't know how much our coordinators are getting paid. It's public information. You'll figure it out. But, I mean, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of a half million dollars. I mean, you, you're getting paid enough money to know what to do in that situation. So, now, I don't think the play calling was as bad as people are making it out to be. Um, so is, is the angst justified? Uh, sure, if you're taking it from the angle that those coaches should know what they're supposed to do generally and should be prepared for that situation regardless of the excuses of we have injuries and we have uh, limited time to prepare and things like that. You had an entire bye week to prepare, and you knew Virginia Tech was going to come down on the wire at some point. So they, they should have had a plan. You always practice the four-minute drill and the two-minute drill. So, um, you know, they, they they just had to get into their four-minute offense earlier in the fourth quarter than they thought they were going to have to do. Sometimes you have to do that. So, uh, I mean, uh, in terms of whether fan outrage is justified because coaches should know what they're supposed to do, then, then yeah, it is justified. In terms of the play calling itself, I don't think it was, it was as bad as it's being made out to be. It could have been better. We abandoned the run between the tackles for some reason. I'm not sure why um, our interior uh, – our, our interior – Three offensive linemen were struggling pretty mightily with um, in pass protection and in the run. They, they were lunging in both. It felt like they were pressing inside. Like they constantly felt like they had to make up for the play before, and it was like quicksand. But it also kind of felt like the offensive play calling was pressing a little bit. Um, you know, there, there were some calls we should have got. Everyone talks about the Garrett Walson non-call. You know, some of that's on Garrett too. Um, you know, that route is designed. He's supposed to take a step inside and watch that end if he comes across his face and then release to the outside for the dump. He didn't do that. He took two steps, got his shoulder blown up, and got, got delayed by a step and a half. You know, that's that, that's sort of on him. Whether he got held or not is kind of a non-starter. Um, so the blame to go all around, the play calling wasn't optimal. Um, you know, and late in the game, we haven't gotten – we're not talking about overtime yet. But, uh, you know, late in regulation, the play calling wasn't optimal, but it wasn't it wasn't as bad as we're making out to making it out to be. There was just, there was an execution problem, frankly. 
Yeah, we'll get to the overtime here in, in just a little bit. We'll kind of break this down maybe period by specific period. But about in regulation, EJ, the defense really had to find an answer to Virginia Tech's third string quarterback who came in. They were obviously not going to let him throw very much. Now, to his credit, he did have a couple really good passes. But as a defensive player, when you have somebody that is just completely different than what you've game planned for the entire time, how much does it take for you in game to adjust to just something that you really haven't prepared for at all or very little? I really can't say that they didn't prepare at all or very little for this because Hendon Hooker had the capability of running. In fact, he had a very good rushing game uh, against us. Uh, he had 41 yards rushing, and that was in one half. So I, I don't, I, I wouldn't blame this one on the game plan. I mean, they, the, or, or uh, let, let me take a step back. I wouldn't blame this on them having to make a mid game or half adjustment. The original game plan should have been catered towards trying to stop a rushing quarterback. This quarterback has proved against other teams that he could run the ball. He proved in the first half that he could run the ball. I mean, 4.1 yards a carry on on 10 runs. I mean, that's pretty good. So I I really can't say that. I I think that we really got pushed around up front all day. It it, it was kind of like, what is this defense that we're seeing? I mean, yeah, we had a lot of injuries in the secondary, but we're pretty healthy up front. This is the same defensive line and linebacker group that's been playing on this defense all season. And I think the theme of the day was out of place. We were constantly out of place. Uh, there are a couple plays that uh, I could call out where they ran a simple zone and what should have been a stop. Everyone else is in their gap. The edge is sealed. Uh, everyone else is playing where they're supposed to be. But our linebackers are getting caught looking at the action in the backfield and not looking and not reading their keys. And their keys should be the offensive lineman. You you watch your gap. If your gap moves, you move unless you're going in pass coverage. So to to see a play that should have been stopped uh, for no gain or maybe a one to two yard gain end up being a, a 17 yard play. Uh, I think that 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 really is an issue. And everyone had had a good rushing day. It wasn't just the third string quarterback. Now, Granted, he was a Thurston quarterback. There's not there there isn't much film on him, but I go back to my original point. They're running the same playbook. They're running the same design quarterback runs that they were running when Hendon Hooker was in the game. So you know these plays. You've seen these on film. There's just a different uh different person running this. So it just kind of blew my mind to see us just kind of get pushed around up front and for them to run the ball when they had to, when they wanted to, and when they needed to. I really did not expect to see that. I mean, if you told me that uh, our offense had put up 41 points against Virginia Tech. I would have definitely expected us to win. I definitely, I mean, granted it was a, a overtime game, but I, I'm just kind of disappointed by by what I saw from them. I, hopefully they'll step it up this week against Duke, but uh, if if they can't find a way to to kind of seal the plug that's this leak that's in the defense and uh, kind of just hold this thing together until they start getting some of these players back. I, I think that could be uh, something that could really damage our, our hopes of what, what has really been a, a good season as far. I mean, yeah, we're three and four, but I still think we have a chance to become bowl eligible and really make something out of this season. But we cannot play like we played uh, defensively Saturday against anyone else uh, in the ACC and expect to win. I feel like All I right. said that last year, uh, the same thing you just said. If you would have told me we were going to score 41 points against X opponent and then if we were going to lose, I'd tell you you were crazy. I mean, you, you score 40-some-odd points, every, you know, 43 points, 41 points, whatever it is. You score over 40 points, you should never lose a football game. I mean, that's outrageous. Exactly. Um, 
you know, but that's, I, I'll tell you one thing I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed this too, EJ, was um, in, in the in the tight outside zones, I tweeted this out, some people saw it, but um, Virginia Tech's offensive tackles did a phenomenal job on our defensive ends with the tight reaches, so just hitting, oh, yeah. that, outside, hitting that outside shoulder and getting a quick seal on a, on a tight outside zone play, so not your normal 18-19 kind of wide-hitting outside zone, the, when you think outside zone, your traditional outside zone, it's more of a tight, uh, a tight stretch, um, so it's kind of just an, a, an exaggerated inside zone play, hitting six or seven hole right outside that mm-hmm. tackle's hip. Um, I thought their offensive tackles did a great job of getting that tight reach um, and getting the angle on our defensive ends, and that's what what that really says is that our defensive ends did a terrible job of getting reached on those tight on those tight outside zone plays, um, which which based on the way we're lining up now, that three four defense should never happen. Um, but it was clearly happening a little too frequently this this weekend. I don't know if you saw the same thing. Oh, no, I definitely saw the same thing. And the thing about that block is it's one of the hardest blocks to play. I mean, you know, um, one of my what I what I prided myself upon when I played was my ability to play any any block that an offensive tackle gave me. And and that's one of the hardest block blocks to play because I mean, one of two things could happen. You could see this block. Okay, this is a reach. If you're going against a really good offensive tackle who has really good footwork, he can make you think that this is going to be a wide reach and trap you outside and turn on you. Or you go play him square and you you play him square, the running back can read you. You're now two gapping in what is a a one gap scheme. So, no, I agree with you. Their tackle did an outstanding job of doing that. And, And that's something that I think that if we don't fix, another thing that we don't fix then teams are going to see this film, and we're going to see that that inside zone play uh, every single game from every team we play until we prove that we can stop it. Then about the offense, Mike, talking about maybe some limitations and what opponents are going to be watching for, looking where they can exploit Carolina, where do you see the offense as still needing to improve at this point in the season? Um, I mean, Brian Anderson at center and then the guards had a tough time with twist games inside. Um, I think I think the left side struggled a little bit more than the right side, but nobody was nobody is absolved of liability here. Um, everybody had everybody had struggles on the inside, and that was both in the run and the pass. Um, I saw our I saw our inside three lunging a lot in pass pro, um, and I've explained this before, but for those who haven't heard it, I mean the the, the biomechanics of when you lunge um, on your punch. I mean you come up on your toes, your hips come up. Right, all your weight goes forward. Your hips will come up. When your hips go up, you come up on your toes. When you come up on your toes, your legs lock out. When your legs lock out, um, your feet stop moving. And when your feet stop moving, you lose. There's no way to there's no way to to redirect on a defensive lineman's secondary move. And I saw us get backdoored a few times um, by their defensive tackles. And by backdoored, I mean they would they would hedge to the, they would hedge to the front side, right? So whatever gap they're lined up in, and all of a sudden would just club rip or club swim to the backside shoulder and just beat you back door. Um, I saw that get us beat both in the pass and the run several times, which is really disheartening because we've made a lot of progress on that in the past few weeks. Um, and, and that same move you'll see in twist games, it's just they just defensive linemen will just bait you as an offensive lineman. They'll bait you to, to commit one way on your punch, and then they just run the twist behind you and they pick you and they get in the, they get in the backside gap or wherever their, wherever their goal is, they'll get to that. Um, and I saw that happen pretty frequently against Tech. So, you know, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of blitzing that was killing us. It was just straight-up one-on-one matchups in pass pro that we were losing, and it was one-on-one matchups in the run game that we were losing on singles and double and double teams. What Virginia Tech's defensive linemen did a really good job of in double teams 
particularly down in the goal line area and down in the red zone, you see him submarine the, the, the blocker knowing there was a double team coming. Um, and when it would go down and submarining is just literally fall, almost fall on the ground or try to cut the offensive lineman. What that does is that forces both players in the double team, so both offensive linemen, to throw their hands down and throw their hips back. You defeat it the same way a defensive lineman would defeat a cut block. Um, but what that prevents is it prevents that double team from getting up to the linebacker. It lets the linebacker run free and make the play. And I saw that frequently in short yardage and on the goal line and in the red zone. And if we don't get that corrected, like EJ said, I mean, it's going to be a copycat situation until we prove that we can stop it. We're going to keep getting stuff like that. Um, that was extremely effective against us, particularly in short yardage, which is where I thought our biggest struggle was um, third and short situations or third and on schedule. So third and, third and four or less, we had some real problems against Tech, and we should not be having problems when we're on schedule on third down, um, particularly if we're in third and one, third and two situations. Those should be easy conversions, and we just weren't doing it. Now, whether it's because we got away from running between the tackles or whether it's because we got away from our bread-and-butter pass plays or because we tried getting too cute, that's a play-calling issue. Take that up with Phil Longo. Those plays are designed to work, and if you execute them, no matter what the Virginia Tech's defense does, if you execute your assignments on those plays, it does not matter what the play call is. It will be successful. Now, we were getting beat schematically and fundamentally on a lot of those plays in short yardage, and we were losing because we failed to execute. Um, that is, that's disheartening because Virginia Tech is an okay team. They are not the Virginia Tech program of, of, of years past. They are, not the, they are not the Xavier D.B., Vic Hall, Brandon Flowers, Virginia Tech team. Um, that is not that same program anymore. It's not the Marcus Vic-led, Michael Vic-led, um, or even Tyrod Taylor-led Virginia Tech program. It's just, it's just not. They don't have the bodies or the talent they used to have. They do still have the coordinators, but they're not executing on the same level as they used to. So this was a game that we could have stolen in this rivalry. This was a game that we should have won. And I, I place a, a, a lot of blame. Uh, I place, a lot of blame of the loss I place on our third yardage execution, or I guess lack thereof, um, or third down execution, excuse me. All right, great stuff, man. Let's get EJ's thoughts on the defense and what they need to improve. But first, let's talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are a longtime sponsor of Inside Carolina. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill for this weekend's matchup against Duke, it is homecoming. Or if you're going to be at one of the remaining home football games or when the basketball season starts, make sure that you swing by Franklin Street. Stop into GiantT-Shirt.com where they have been a Franklin Street tradition for decades. They have the very best customer service. They have an excellent selection. They have anything that you could want for the Tar Heel fan in your family. Locally and alumni owned as well. And if you cannot make it to Chapel Hill, you can always shop online at GiantT-Shirt.com where you can enjoy the same great selection. And as a bonus, if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders either there in store or online. You can get the 10% off code from either the Premium Basketball Message Board or the Tar Pit Premium Football Board. So shop at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. All right, EJ, so you just heard Mike wax poetically there about the offense, and it had some <laughs> great stuff. I mean, those those uh, five-minute-long Mike Ingersoll rants are becoming an icy staple, and we do appreciate him. Oh, yeah, no, he, he's uh, he's definitely good at uh, – at talking, he does it uh, for a living. So no, but no, and honestly, I mean, he's a smart. He, he was a smart football player. He's a smart guy in general. So it's always you know. If you guys don't appreciate, if you guys don't appreciate me, I'll just take my ball and go home. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm be just the, trying to spread some. I'm just trying to spread some knowledge to the kids. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> It'll be the, the the Mike Ingersoll podcast, thirty straight minutes with like two breaths, and that's it. 
Yeah, this, I'd is, love this it. is the Mike Ingersoll podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina. I, don't, I, I thought that's what we were doing here. There you go. Boom. <laughs> All right, EJ, so talk to us about the defense, man, because, I mean, you laid it out earlier where the defense is is kind of failing to really get their assignments, set those edges, and most importantly, I think, really just finish their tackles. So at this point in the season, how does the defense improve on that? Because I think also they've got to do a better job of getting pressure on the quarterbacks and also just stopping the rushing quarterbacks. What can be done at this point, do you think? Tackle the fuel. <laughs> Se- seven, tackle games, tackle fuel. seven games into the season, we shouldn't be having these type of conversations about the tackling because that's something that's really, really stood out. It was a big issue last year. Uh, we're doing a better job of it this year, but it seems that we're missing these tackles uh, in clutch situations. Uh, one uh, that there were a couple plays in the first half where we was we had we, we had plays where we could have sacked the quarterback. Uh, one in particular, I think it was like a second down where we could have sacked him for a loss, and it would have been a third and long. But instead, he escapes, gains a couple yards, and then the next thing you know, another big play. I think that was right before the uh, long touchdown play to Trey Turner uh, when they bid on the pump. And, I mean, I, I just I just don't know. I mean, we're in the right position. You can see that the defensive schemes are putting us in the right position to make these plays, but we aren't making these plays. And another thing is that I don't, I don't see the intensity still uh, on, on some of these pressures. I mean, I, I see some of the, the stuff that – that Coach Longo draws – I mean, I'm sorry, Coach Bateman draws up. And, I mean, it, it's very impressive. I mean, I would have loved to play in this defense and, and to have some of that freedom to not necessarily have to stay in one place and mind the gap. You, you're you hitting the gap hard and just doing your responsibility. But these guys don't have that tenacity. So I think the only thing at this point that would fix this, they have to they, they have to be challenged. I mean, somebody in that locker room has to step up and say, hey, guys – our offense is doing a really good job of putting us in a position to win these games. We have to hold up our end of the deal. And I mean, and as far as, as, as the pass rush, I think we're too talented up front, not to, to be, not to have more sacks. Uh, Aaron Crawford started out the season very strong and he was a, 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 one of the players that really impressed me with his uh, pass rush ability, but it, it's kind of died down these last th- uh, few games. Uh, Jason uh, Strobridge, he's been, he's been okay, but he's been kind of inconsistent too. And, and of course, going into this game, one of the players I wanted to challenge was, was Dominique Ross. And the, all these guys that I'm naming, uh, Taman Fox, all these guys need to be putting up bigger numbers. We talked about it in the beginning of the season with all these pressures that we thought we could get some pressure on the quarterback and really affect these games. You saw it sometimes, but it's kind of died down and become more inconsistent. And you would think coming off of a bye week that these guys would be charged up and ready to play. But what I saw was a a lackadaisical, non-intense defense. And I think that was the most disappointing part about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we had injuries, but let's play with the guys that we have. I mean, these guys have been in this program. They lift the same weights that you lifted. They watch the same film. I hope they've been in the same practices with you. And they've had a chance to take these mental reps. So they know what's going on. It's just time to go out there and execute. And they need to be challenged with that. Uh, I think that's the only thing that's going to pick it up. And if if they keep struggling with these rushing quarterbacks, I mean, like Mike mentioned, and and like I said earlier, this is something that they're going to keep on seeing. You're going to see teams who've had a consistent starting quarterback start to put in a a more mobile mobile quarterback or start running some wildcat looks to send it this defense until we prove that we can stop it. So um, that's something that – we need to take care of on the edge and all it's, it seems like all of these, all of these are kind of leading back to some of our edge players. I mean, 
Tamon Fox, Jason Strobridge, these are guys that are so that that NFL people are that they're talking about being, playing on the next level, and, and they need to really prove themselves. I mean, they're in the right scheme. I just want to see more production from these guys. I mean, I really don't know what else to say because I feel like the that everything that we saw on Saturday was everything that we we may see this in one game. They may get some pressure on the quarterback, but they may have trouble with the run. Then they'll stop the run. Then oh, we didn't get much pressure on the quarterback. It's like. Saturday, we saw all of these things exposed, and it kind of leads me to wonder: like, are, are we going to get better? Are we going to come out? Are, are they working? In, are they watching film? Are they, are they going hard in practice? Are they getting the extra reps in to fix what's broken? And I, I just hope on Saturday we can see a better product than we saw, or all the great things that we, we, they did in the beginning of the season, all the the close wins that they got, uh, all the the great things that uh, Sam Howell has been doing is going to be for naught if they can't if they can't finish this season strong and win the games that they're supposed to win. Yeah, what are you going to say to EJ, John? Huh? What are you going to say to EJ now? Huh? What are you, I, I have time that. That was way that was way longer than, than my little rant. Go, did you time me? <laughs> did you time me? I just think that you're just jealous that EJ stole the spotlight from me a little bit there. That's what I think. Yeah, I'm. Je- I listen. My the jealousy <laughs> I have for EJ is a topic for another day. Yeah, we don't have we don't have enough time on this podcast to talk about all the things that I hate EJ for, and that's what makes us so close. It is, it is exactly. Oh, we're besties. I I feel the love. (laughs) You can feel it. You stay out of this. Stay out of this. I swear (laughs) to God, you stay out of this. Whatever. I don't want to hear. I still had to clean up y'all's mess in Granville Towers. You both owe me for that forever. All right. So. Let's uh, switch over to the Duke game because, like EJ said, it is a huge, huge, important matchup. I think the most important game against Duke for a while here because if the Heels are going to keep their hopes alive of challenging for the Coastal Division title, they must win this game. Having come off, though, a multiple overtime grueling road game against Virginia Tech, Mike, how can the team recover mentally and physically in time to really match the intensity that we know Duke is going to bring coming into Saturday? I mean, if you're not recovered after seven days, I don't know what to tell you guys. I mean, if you're not recovered at 20 years old after seven days from the last time you played a football game, I mean, you're just not your, – your body's not built for this sport. Um, I mean, they'll be fine physically. Uh, they've gotten their treatment. I mean, they do a better job now with treatment. And post game recovery and recovery throughout, you know, active recovery throughout the week that we ever did. Um, and it's not an admonition of our coaching staff, it's just that the players themselves, coaches tried doing that for us. We just didn't understand the benefit, frankly. Um, you know, these guys understand it more now. This generation understands taking care of your body and, and, and your body is your temple. They understand that a whole lot better than we ever did. So they'll be fine on the physical front. Um, and, and, and frankly, mentally, emotionally, I'm, I, I wouldn't be concerned about that. I mean, you just lost a six overtime game to a team you should have won. You should be pissed. Um, and you got Duke coming in here. I mean, we've had recent struggles against Duke. It's time for that to stop. Um, I mean, this is the perfect opportunity to kind of get the wash the bad taste out of your mouth, which I'm sure is the theme this week. Wash the taste out. Um, it, Duke is a chance to get some redemption. You gotta, we're gonna, you gotta get, gotta get the victory bell and keep it in Chapel Hill like you used to. Um, this is the first step in that process, and it's also the first step in getting back to 500 and keeping the season on the right track. So, you know, we got five games left. Um, you know, they, they got a chance. I, I think all five games at this point, frankly, are winnable. Um, based on what I've seen so far this season, I'm not going to go as far as to say they're going to win them all. I'm, I'm frankly going to stick to my preseason prediction of four and eight. 
Um, but I also, like I, like I said this weekend to some people, I'm, I'm going to double down on four and eight being a success. Carolina has been more than confident in every game they've played. But, you know, if they want to string together some wins and, 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 and really create some hype going into the next year, you know, this this is where it starts. I mean, it's first, you know, the first authentic true rivalry game, and you've got three of them on the schedule between Duke, Virginia, and NC State coming up. I mean, if you could win all three of those, I mean, boy, I mean, talk about talk about an, an impressive season in Mac's first year considering what we've had the last couple of years. So, I mean, from a preparation standpoint, I mean, these guys should just be pissed off. There should be an extra layer, an extra level of focus and preparedness um, in terms of film study and game planning and things like that. But the physical, the physical preparedness is going to be there. I mean, these guys know how to take care of themselves. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is what type of team are we going to see come out this next weekend against Duke? And is that a team that is going to go out and beat a rival or is it a team that's going to sit there and lick their wounds and play well with me after what happened against Virginia Tech and Clemson and some of these other close games this year? Um, you know, we, we we will find out on Saturday at four o'clock. But um, I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling you're going to see a turnaround in front of the home crowd as another sellout. I think you'll see some good stuff. Yeah, the home crowd is what I want to ask you about, EJ, because like Mike said, it is a sellout. It is homecoming, and I talked with Gregory Hall earlier in a, in a different podcast, and he mentioned that the student body is actually still very hyped up for this game. The student ticket lottery that they're doing now for football games, imagine that, that those tickets were gone, and he actually had people ask him for extras. I think that's a huge positive sign, but how do you think the team will was, will respond to having a game that will be a night game after halftime, basically? How much extra do you think that can give this defense that you said needs to be more fired up and needs to really work on finishing their plays? Oh, I, I definitely think it's going to be have a huge, huge impact. I mean, it's homecoming. Uh, a lot of the guys are going to be back in town. A lot of Max former players, I'm sure, are going to come in town. It's probably going to be the most star-studded uh, homecoming game in Carolina in a long, long time. Uh, I'm, I'm almost sure of it. So, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of reasons for these guys to play well. But are they? Are they going to come out and use that intensity for good? Are they going to watch this film, digest it? see what they need to improve on because guess what Duke's leading rusher is their quarterback so I mean they're pretty much facing the same monster again and I mean it, it's a rival like Mike said it's a it's about time that this whole going back and forth and Duke being competitive with us I, I think it's time for that to stop yeah we had our close games with them while we were there but I'm, I'm proud to say that I was 4-0 and against them um so I mean, this is this is the game. This is the game for the bell. I mean, if you, if you can't get jacked up about that, then I then then I don't know. I mean, this is the 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 feeling when you walk around Keenan on game day. Now it, it's infectious. It's a it's a dipmas, it's a different atmosphere, and it's only what I can imagine. It was like when uh, Coach Davis came and we started getting all those recruits, and we really kind of turned turned our turned the, our our prospects around fast. I mean, we went from being uh three and nine to being ranked at one point in the next season so the energy is there the support is there for them i mean and, and other times if you saw uh, uh, this team lose you probably you start to see some of the fair weather fans who were intense in the beginning of the season kind of wane away but everyone is still excited about this game so i, I hope that it, it does charge them up a little bit because as i mentioned they're facing the same monster they're they're facing a team that yeah it's going to be an away game but i mean over the past few years, they they've been gaining more and more confidence, and let's not mention uh, what 
me and Mike love to reference the fact that I don't know if it's still there that they had to beat Carolina uh, stitched into their jersey. So, I mean, there there's so many reasons for this defense to play well and redeem themselves this weekend. I just hope that they can use some of, some of them to fuel them along to have a great game. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take our very last commercial break. When we get back, let's go and wrap it up by talking about some specific tactics that you think should be employed against the Blue Devils this weekend. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. EJ Wilson and Mike Ingersoll joining me for this one. Guys, let's go ahead and talk about tactics. Mike, what would you expect Coach Longo to do against Duke? Do you think that they will try to get the run more involved, something that you said they kind of abandoned in Virginia Tech? Or do you think that it will be much of the same as what we've seen, which, to his credit, has been largely successful? Yeah, I mean, listen, they put up points, and and I mean, they put up impressive points in every game. I mean, even the Wake Forest loss was 20-some-odd almost low. I mean, what was the final score of that game? I can't remember. We scored 27 to finish that game off, 21, 24, something like that. So, I mean, the team is, is fully capable. I mean, what Longo's doing, whether you like the play calling last game or not, right, at the end of that game, we had 41 points. I mean, you're putting up that kind of – you're putting up those kind of numbers, you're doing something right. Um, so, I, I would I would expect him – to, to, to emphasize the run early in the game, um, try and get some confidence back on the ground, both in our offensive line and in our running backs, and just see if we can keep the ball out of Duke's hands. Like EJ said, the leading rusher on our team is our quarterback, right? And if we're going to help our defense out, one of the things we got to do is just hang on to the ball and keep Duke's offense off the field. Um, our defense is pretty good when it's fresh. Um, when it gets tired late in games and it gets worn down, we start to see some issues, and we saw that in the second half against Virginia Tech. Um, we saw that, you know, late in the first half against Virginia Tech. They're on the field too long to get worn down, and, you know, after fatigue sets in, they start to make some mistakes. So the number one way we can help our defense out is to keep Duke off the field. And the best way you can do that is to run the ball. Now, that's not going to mean – that doesn't mean that, that Longo's not going to be calling our quick strike passing plays, that we're not going to have some wrinkles thrown in. Um, you know, like we saw that, 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 that double reverse flea flicker deal that went for a touchdown to Antoine Green against Tech. Like, we'll see things like that, gadget plays like that, that'll get quick, big points, um, and, and the offense will be off the field in a play or two. That's going to happen. We're also going to break long runs or break long pass plays, and we're going to score quickly in drives. We'll score touchdowns and only last a minute and a half or two minutes off the clock, right? But but we will have some longer sustained drives. I'll see, I, I expect to see an emphasis on the type of play calling that will get you those longer sustained drives to keep Duke off the field. I would say 
that you'd see incorporation of our tight ends a little bit more into the game plan, but they broke my heart against Tech. Uh, Carl Tucker broke my heart absolutely on that. We were backed up on the goal line. He had a 25-yard gain. He just dropped it right in his hands right down the middle. If you remember what I said was the best way you're going to – the number one way to beat Tech offensively, right, is for us to go ahead and hit our tight ends down the middle, open things up around the perimeter so that the middle of the field gets spread out some, and then just start dumping it to our tight ends. Um, you know, I already talked about Garrett Walston getting jacked up a little bit on that slow on that tight end dump that should have gone for a touchdown. Obviously, we had a 25-yard gain to Tucker that he just dropped. So our tight ends kind of let me down. But I would see an emphasis on the running game, particularly in between the tackles. Um, and I would honestly, I would hope to see. I don't think he will, but I would hope to see Antonio Williams get some more carries because I don't think that kid's getting the kind of love that he should be getting. All he does is produce when he comes in the game. So I hope we see a little bit more of Antonio Williams, some more in-between-the-tackle stuff, but I would expect to see that just to help our defense keep him off the field. All right, EJ, final word is yours, my friend. On the defensive side, would you change up anything schematically against Duke knowing that they are going to have another rushing quarterback that the Heels are going to have to face off against? You have to change it up schematically. I mean – I think the best reference for, for this would be not not as this extreme, but I think they should take this approach to um, stopping running quarterbacks because it's been an issue. When we played Georgia Tech, we completely changed and remodeled our defense in one week, and we were able to be successful at that because we knew that that was going to be an issue when we addressed it. Granted, Georgia Tech was way more one-dimensional uh, than Duke is, but still, something needs to be something needs to be done. Maybe we switch up the front a little bit. Uh, something needs to be done to to stop this 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 uh, running quarterback because if we don't, if something isn't schematically changed, they're going to run up and down the field like every other team and it, with, with the running quarterback has been doing against us this year. So um, again, and I go back to to the coaches challenging challenging this defense. I mean, yeah, we we have some injuries in the secondary, but we were caught out of place a lot. Like we need to work on something schematically to stop a running quarterback and we need to work on our eye discipline. But once again, that's something that a player has to take on uh, internally. A coach can only put you in the right position to make a play in the right position to, to have a positive impact on the rest of the defense. But if, if you don't have good eye discipline, if you're not reading your keys, then it's all going to fall apart. I mean, when I look at some of the plays against we had against Virginia Tech, it wasn't necessarily a complete collapse of the whole defense. Like on some of the big plays, yeah, uh, especially the uh, run to tie the game at thirty-one thirty-one. Uh, that that was just completely ridiculous. But a lot of these plays were just people being out of their gaps, uh, people not having their eyes on their keys and in, in pass coverage. So once again, these things are very fixable, but these. The players need to in- internalize this, take it personally. Someone in the locker room has to step up. And I honestly think that it has to be, be Chaz Surratt. He has to take ownership of the mistakes he's made, and he has to to tell his teammates that he's going to be better and they have to be better too. They have to they have to play hard. They have to hit gaps intensely when they're, when they're going on these pressures because if your defense is revolving around sending pressures and constantly putting heat on the opposing team's offense – then you have to do it with conviction. I, I just don't see these guys doing it with conviction. So I, I think the only thing that really needs to be changed schematically is to address the Russian quarterback. Everything else is just these these players need to decide what do they want the rest of the season to be like. Do they want to hang their hats on the success they had early on in the season, or do they want to finish strong uh, and do something that really hasn't been done at, at Carolina over the past few years? 
Just real quick, EJ, follow up with that with what specifically do you think that they could do to defend against the the rushing quarterback? Like, would you have a guy running a spy? Would you be bringing safeties up into the box? What would you envision there? I would honestly run more four down linemen. I mean, you have to have that. It, I, I don't care how talented you are. It's hard to to play the run against, like, like Mike said, with some of those inside zone uh, type blocks. Uh, when you're standing up and with this, these, this being these guys first year doing this after they've been in this defense for a while, it's a big adjustment. You can only take so many live reps in training camp and during the week, during the season, it's, it's just an adjustment. So I think if they get, uh, let these guys put their hand in the dirt uh, a little bit more and, and something that they're a lot more comfortable with. I think that'll address it a little bit more because schematically everyone, people are in the right places to stop these runs. They're either just, they're sticking to the blocks. They're not reading their keys and not having eye discipline. So if that would probably be the only thing schematically I would change, I wouldn't change any, any of the play calling. I don't think we necessarily need to dedicate a spy uh, to this quarterback. He does have some big playability with his legs, but um I think that if we play discipline, uh, if, if we play discipline up front uh, and just do the same thing that we've been doing earlier on in the season, I think that we can stop them. Yeah, when the quarterback runs, there's an extra blocker in there. But I mean, these are just all these are all excuses that I'm making from the outside looking in. I think that if, if these guys can get their hand into their do something that they're a little bit more comfortable with, I think that's I think that we're at the point now where we we honestly need to try that. All right. Great stuff, guys. Well, look, we'll go ahead and call this one to an end. We will speak next week after the Duke game. Hopefully the Heels do come out there and respond, get a big time win in front of the home crowd. But for now, thank you guys for talking with me and we'll speak again soon. All right, man. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. 